you want to always invest as efficient as possible when it comes to expenses. Render My Money 2021 Session 12. I want to again welcome everyone to our final Render My Money class of 2021. Today we're going to do something a little different. First we're going to do a brief review and just want to see if we remember the the six classes we went over since it's the first time I've done two series in a year. But anyone can remember the first class in July? July first class that we did? Budgeting? We got somebody say budgeting? That's close. The first class we did was baby steps, one, two, three, and four. We talked about saving, I mean, investing 15% of your baby step four, five, six, and seven is once you're debt free. And that's why I wanted to do a net worth statement, because once you're debt free, you will see your ability to accumulate wealth grow so much faster. And so in baby steps four, five, six, and seven, it tells you the things you're supposed to do once you paid off all of your Bills, your car note, you have no debt outside of your mortgage. And you have three to six months of funds saved up. Three to six months of expenses saved up in the bank. At that point, you start investing 15% of your income in your retirement fund, and you start paying off your house. It also says you give crazy, but those are the three things you do once you've paid off all your debt and after you have accumulated those three to six months of expenses. So that was... July's class. And the reason why you accumulate three, six months expenses, who can tell me why? Emergency, also pandemic, right? Sometimes it, it, emergency lasts a little longer. Now, your emergency fund was $1,000. That's when you're going through the debt reduction. But once you get three to six months expenses, that's your emergency fund as well as long-term emergency. It frees you up just in case you have to do something like you might want to change jobs. If you have six months of expenses saved up, you could do a little research before you decide to quit. Hopefully you have some already lined up. But if you don't because you're just so miserable, then you have you know, six months before you are in a crisis. Okay? Okay, what was August? Somebody said it. Remember, we talked insurance. We talked about insurance. What did we say insurance was for? Right, but it's one main purpose of insurance. Right? Right. Right. So what insurance is for is to transfer risk. Meaning, if you're married and you have a dual income, if something happens to your spouse, then that's a risk. So when you have insurance, you get life insurance. So if something happens to them, you minimize that risk. When you're driving your car and you go to Greenbrier Mall and you park your car and leave your keys, you elevate your risk. So you need car insurance. <laughs> you might not leave your keys in there. You still come back there. Right? So we don't use insurance to build wealth. We use insurance to take care of risk to solve a problem. And we use our investments to grow and we invest our money separately. Why? Because with everything you do through insurance, there's always the factor of the expense. You want to always invest as efficient as possible when it comes to expenses. So when you ever go, if you go get an annuity, they never tell you how much they're going to get paid based off how much money you've given them to invest. 
Remember we talked about that? An annuity is you take your lump sum of money or you give into it for a number of years or take a lump sum. They take your money. They go to the market. They invest. And then they give you some of your earnings back. The problem with that, you don't know how much of their cut is coming out. It could be 10%. It could be 20%. What did we say was the average rate of expense we should have for an investment? 1%. 2% if it's something real special. But 1% is what you want to look at. When you look at your mutual funds, you should see a 1%, 1.5%. Okay? All right? What about class number three, which was September? There you go. Who said that? Okay, good. We got two people. Good. That's it. Getting ready for retirement. That's exactly right. And we talked about that. We talked about how much money you need to figure out you're going to need. And this is why this exercise we're going to do today is so important. Because actually, when you get ready to retire, if you're debt-free and your house is paid off, your cost of living go way down. And that's where you should be when you get ready to retire. Okay? We talked about investing. You, know, you want to max out your 401ks, your Roths, all that you want to do. All right, what was October? Who said budgeting earlier? That was budgeting, the little things. We talked about the little things. How when you go through and give your money direction, you will find that those little savings add up. You'll see this in this example I'm going to use. And what was November? And I remember one time. That was last month. Come on now. Anybody remember? Estate planning. Remember we had the insight? (laughs) Estate planning was November, okay? So, with that being said, what we have to understand is all these things build up to us having the financial freedom and ability to not worry in our rest years. So, the sooner you start, the better off and the easier it's going to be for you. So, today, I wanted to take, how many people have done a net worth statement? Anybody? So, what a net worth statement tells you, it basically tells you what you're actually worth from a monetary standpoint. This is not spiritual. This is what you're worth from a monetary standpoint. And what you want to think about is if you're working all your life and you look at your net worth and it's zero, that's really no different than being a slave. So if you're working, you got to pay yourself. And what we're going to see when we go through this worksheet is the number one deterrent for having a positive net worth is what? Four letters. Debt. 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 That's right. And right now, we have a condition in our society that it is so easy to go in debt. People will go to a college and pay $120,000 a year and, or $80,000 a year. Or, and now, like even more houses, I think more houses is at least $30,000 a year, or 40 maybe. So they run up all these huge expenses, and when they come out, they're going to get a job making $50,000 a year, or 60 or 70 But you come out with $200,000 in debt. And it's so hard to make up that because you're going to see when you're starting to build wealth, once you get your home purchase, everything else you can do based on the cash basis. Your home is the only thing you don't have to really borrow money for, in most cases, if you just start now. But a car, you can pay cash for that. Everything, clothes, all that can be cash basis. You just have to be a smart shopper. So what I did was, if you look at your worksheet, this is the worksheet of a friend of mine who has a daughter. She's like 27, and she makes about $50,000 a year. Now, this example is one of a person who actually 
just moved out. So she was living at home. But the interesting thing is, is that she's been working her job about three years. And in those three years, she, knows she just started her 401k and all that. And she's saving about 10% of her salary in her 401k and her Roth. But her company matches 5%. So she's doing 15%. Okay? So when you look at this, now she also has a car that's paid for. It's like a 2008 Jeep Compass. And she also works on the weekend doing Instacart. So we're going to go through this. So when you look at her, this is what she had in her savings account. She's not living a frugal life. She just doesn't have a lot of debt, which I thought was good because she went to school and she was on a Hope Scholarship. So she came out of school with no debt. So she has $1,500 in the bank. She has $6,000 in savings, okay? So her total cash is $7,500. That's about cash she has. Now, what I want you all to do is on those lines, now, you sit close to people, you can move, but I want you to write what you think your cash savings. This is not your mutual funds or your investments. It's just your cash savings, how much cash you have in the bank, and put it on those lines or in your phone. Now, just guess, because if you haven't looked at it, you know, just guess. You can just, because you're going to go check it. Because when we get to the debt portion, you also go to guess, unless you got a budget you can pull up. And when you look at debt, you're not looking at your payments. You're going to look at what you owe for this statement. This statement is not about payments. And we go buy cars, we go buy clothes on credit. We always think about what? What's our monthly payment? Oh, this credit card is not but $22 a month. But this says what you owe. And that's a big difference because that goes against your net worth. That makes you worth zero. That makes you a slave. You understand? You are a borrower. And what does the Bible say? It's slave to the right. Okay? If you have a money market account, if you have savings bonds, you can just guess that and put that in. CDs, those are certificates of deposits. Nobody should have CDs because CDs don't pay anything. If you got that kind of money to invest and hold, hopefully you got a money market account. And if you have your three to six months of expenses, everything else should be in some type of investment working for you. Okay, let's go down to the next page. Now, she hasn't done any outside brokerage or investing. But if you have a brokerage like you with Edward Jones or Fidelity, somebody like that, you have this is not your retirement, this is not your 401k. You put how much money you have in your brokerage account. This is something that's after tax, okay? Now, she does have a Roth. So when you go down, you see brokerage, anything is taxable. If somebody gave you some money, that should be your savings is cash. So you go to the next one. These are retirement accounts. And these are accounts that are designed for you not to get until you're 65. Okay? You can start a little earlier, but it's worth maximum tax benefits at 65. 65. So if you have an IRA, that is an individual retirement account. When you are not doing it through your job, you went to a bank or to a brokerage, you put that amount, what's in that, but you can't still have to wait until you're 60. Retirement, if you have a Roth, we talked about Roth, right? That's after-tax money that grows tax-free, okay? So she has $4,000 in her Roth. Now, she's only been working three years, okay? And she has $18,000 in her 401k. So she was making 50, so she was doing 10%. So little almost three years, so she put in about fifteen thousand and it's grown to about eighteen thousand. Okay? If you have a a SEP RA or a pension or any type of or even if you have an annuity, you put those back. Any any retirement of things you have, you put it on those lines. 
All right? Now, ownership, business ownership. If you have a investment house or a rental properties, or if you own a business. Now, she don't own a business, but she was doing Instacart. And so she told me that she was making about $150 average if she does for eight hours. Sometimes it's a lot more, but she gave me an average. Sometimes it's not that busy. But she says she averages about 150 She works at eight hours a week. So every month, that's $600. In a year, that's $7,000. See, today it's a little different because you have all these what's called shared economy things you could do. Well, you don't have to go and create anything. You don't have to buy any inventory. You can just use yourself, you as a personal asset, to earn money. And I think it's really good for supplementing your income, you know? So she's made $7,000 doing that. So her total assets is $29,000. See that? Now, this part is more about her mother, so she's just not her house. <laughs> but hypothetically, though, she could buy a house based on her income. Based on her income, she could buy a house for $106,000. At 3% interest, her, just her raw mortgage, it's not including insurance or anything, it's like $600 a month. Now, when you put in insurance and taxes, it's probably going to be $1,000. But at $50,000, 25% of your income, you can spend $1,100 a month on housing. Now, she has a cushion because she doesn't have a car note. You see how a car early on, if you go buy a $600 thing, most people who get a $50,000 job, they go and buy at least a car that costs $30,000 or $40,000. Their car note is going to be about $600. So that just blew her out because technically her car note should be no more than 10 to 15% of her income. So at the most, it should be around $400 and something dollars at 10%. 15% is always a stretch. See what I'm saying? But if you have a car that's cash, that $500 is going to build an asset. Because when you look at the housing, right, so her car is worth about $1,500 because it's 2008. And then when you look at your home furnishing, she said she paid about $3,000 for all her little studio stuff. So, you know, she probably can get $1,500 for it if she tried to sell it. So you look at those lines, right, and your principal home is actually how much you owe on the house, okay? So if you owe $106,000, that's the value. That's the retail value. The principle is how much your house is worth. Right. Because the house we looked at, it was based off a $140,000 house. Right. Right. Okay. So her house is worth $160,000. Okay. Now, listen to this. A lot of people at this time, if you bought your house maybe five, six years ago, with the market, your house, the value of your house went up. Right. But if you don't take out any additional loans on your house, a second mortgage, you really have equity. You really have principal value. You really have a positive going towards your net worth. But when you go and get a second loan like everybody did in 2008 because everybody was pushing them to get these seconds on their house to renovate and all this stuff, you took away from your net worth. You understand? So her home is 160. That's the value. But she paid 140 for it. Okay? And that's very modest because technically if you bought a house before 2019 for 140, it's probably worth 220 now. You understand? But we want to be modest on this. I want you all to see how this looks. So if you all have any cars, any trucks, anything like that, you put a realistic value if you had to sell it, how much you would get. Now, how much you paid for it, how much you would get. So your exercise at home is to go through these assets and put anything you have, like home furnishing. If you had to do a yard sale, how much you think you would get for your stuff? 
Now, how much do you think it's worth? If you went to a yard sale and you saw your dresser in the yard, how much would you pay for it? Because you'll find that all that stuff depreciates. That's why it makes no sense for a person to move and say they move back home and they put their stuff in storage for more than six months. Because people keep stuff in storage for five, six years, old furniture and stuff. It's not even worth the bill. It's not worth the bill. That storage is $150 a month, right? And $100 is $1,200 a year. So if you're doing $200, that's, that's $2,400, that's $2,500. So if you stay there five years, that's $10,000. And I guarantee your stuff is not worth $10,000. So don't get attached to stuff. Don't get attached to stuff, okay? So she has a house that's worth $160. So you look at the total asset, it says, what, $163,000, right? Now, we get to the second part. Here comes the fun part. And this was the good part about her situation. She doesn't have any debt. So she only had $1,000 on a little card because she's doing some kind of business. She's doing some kind of online business, and she had to buy her materials. But I didn't put her money from her online business on here. But she had $1,000. And then you put, if you had credit cards, if you owe income tax, any other outstanding bills, you put on that line. And then when you get to the long term, it's your house, your home mortgage. So we had the home mortgage. She had at $60,000, right? At $40,000. We had the home mortgage at $140,000. So when you add up her total debt, now look at this. When you take out no car, no student loans, no loans on your life insurance policy, it makes the liabilities very clean, right? But you say, well, how can I have the perfect house if I don't go borrow money to furnish it? Hey, there are people who had homes and they would have, you know, either secondhand furniture or they had no furniture for a couple of years. If you are dedicated to building wealth, you got to buy what you can afford. Now, hopefully you didn't overspend on the house, right? But to be honest with you, my son lives in a condo and I see people selling their furniture all the time because they're moving. They have nice stuff. It'd be $150 and this. You can find ways to find inexpensive stuff if you're a smart shopper. You got to be diligent. You know, you got all these websites, but I like stuff like that. I mean, if you, if you go to a big high rise and just, you know, hey, let me know if somebody's selling something. If you know somebody there or somebody lives in a high rise, they always sit it out through the whole association. It's amazing. Because when people get ready to move and live in these condos, they don't want to take that stuff. They let it go. And most of them don't even use it. But you see how clean this is? So in the end, her net worth is $58,000. So she's right now positive worth $58,000. If you take out the imaginary house, that's only $20,000. So really, she's worth $38,000 without the house. You understand? Because the house is only positive $20,000. That's why I went real crazy about it. But anybody who had this situation, the house, $104,000, it would be worth more than that. You would probably have a positive of about $100,000. You understand? So what you have to do is we're heading to a new year, and we go with all these resolutions. We say all this stuff. You should finish this sheet. You should do this sheet because you should know your net worth. You got all these different accounts, retirement and stuff. You should look at it and see what it is. And you start building that and decreasing your debt. I guarantee you, if you just did that, decrease your debt, build your wealth. If you work at a company and they are matching, you should be doing your 401k. That's money you've given away. So that will increase your, your net worth. And you just keep going until you got a positive net worth. And then your net worth is now extremely positive. You go from negative to positive and just keep that momentum. All the things we've taught in this class, if you apply them, you will see it's basic get out of debt, save your money. 
So it only took 30 minutes. <laughs> now, but yours is going to take longer. Did, was anybody able to remember those speeds and put anything in there? Now, I don't want to know what you got, but do you have a positive network? Does anybody have a positive? We got one positive, okay. Anybody else? Positive means your assets. So what this program does, it takes all of your assets and totals it up. Her total assets, meaning all the things she has of value, all her cash is $199,000. That's the value of a house. It's not paid for, but that's the value of the house. So if she had to sell everything she had and take all her cash and put it in a bank, she would come out with $199,000. Then the next thing are your current liabilities or what you owe. Now you take all that and when you pay it off, you pay everybody you owe, she will have leftover $58,000. No, that's total. She will have $58,000. So that's what she's worth. So what you're worth is actually your assets minus your liabilities. That's why when you go and buy things, you have to stop looking at monthly costs. Look at how much you're spending. So when you go buy a car, you just said, I'm putting a big red minus $30,000, $20,000 on my net worth. I just decreased my value by $30,000. You understand? So if I do that, I would say, well, let me go find a car for five dollars or $6,000. Uh-huh. Okay. So the question is, if you have a car and it's halfway paid off, but you're starting to get hit with maintenance bills. Now, there's two things. The first thing is, if you get a car, it's one thing you got to keep up with. I'm going to let Clayton answer that. What's one thing you got to keep up with if you have a car? Oil change. If you change the oil regularly, that's going to save your car's engine. That's what killed most cars. But to answer your question is, so I want to say you first got to take care of that car. Keep it maintained. Understand the maintenance. But what you want to do is you want to add up. First of all, if you still owe on the car, you have no choice. Because if you go buy a new car, what they're going to do, they're going to take what you owe on that car and roll it into your new car and then charge you interest on top of that. So now, if you had a car that you said was worth 20000 you paid twenty, and you owe ten on it. And then you go buy another $20,000 car, then you owe 30000 So it's going to take you a lot longer to pay that off. Now, the way you calculate what you should do with maintenance is you take one year. And you add up all your maintenance bills. And these maintenance bills, you look at them, you say, are these going to be maintenance things I'm going to have to do again? Or do I feel confident that this car is going to run good next year without all these bills? So sometimes you have a car and you got to buy some tires, right? So that maintenance, you got to buy tires if you get a new car sooner or later. So that kind of stuff is just a part of having a car. That don't go into it. But if you are giving repairs, like you got to get a new alternator, radiator, stuff like that. Well, again... You got to make sure you maintain it because usually your radiator goes out if you're riding around with low radiated fluid in it. <laughs> yeah, because the radiator is a cooling agent. It runs hot. But if you have coolant in there, the chemicals keep it cool so it don't tear up. So you sort of like you burn it up when you have no antifreeze in it. You understand? So maintenance is super important with a car. But back to your point, if your bills are adding up to the point where you say, okay, I had to pay an extra $5,000 this year. And I think I'm going to have to pay an extra $5,000 next year. Then you have to take what you feel your maintenance bill is going to be for that year, add it to the car note, and figure out how much that car is going to cost you next year. You understand what I said? If you have a $5,000 maintenance bill that you think you're going to have next year, okay? Because you've subtracted all the things that you feel you're not going to have to fix next year. So that's not in there. So, <clears throat> prime example, they tell you, Okay, you spent $5,000, we fixed everything, but your rear end going to go out next year. It's going to cost you another $6,000. See what I'm saying? You can drive it there, but you have, 
then you take that six thousand dollars, you add it to your car note, right? How much you're spending? Your car note. How much you're spending that year? So let's just say you're spending four hundred dollars a month on your car note. So that means your car note now is forty eight hundred dollars a year, four thousand eight hundred dollars a year. Plus you got another, what I say, six thousand. So that means your car is going to cost you ten thousand eight hundred dollars next year. You see what I'm saying? That's when you look at, do I need to buy another car? But the problem with that is, in most cases, it's better for you to see if you're not upside, because most people are sometimes upside down. If you're not upside down, you might want to sell the car and get you a hoopty. Because what I believe is, if I bought a new car, that car should last me 10 years. And it should be paid for in five. So if you bought a car and it lasts you 10, you got five years of the car being just maintenance. Now, here's the thing. Maintenance bills are sometimes when you have no car note, that's when people get upset because they may have a $5,000 maintenance bill, repairs. It was $5,000, right? So if you go buy a new car, you can't buy a car now for $400 a month. So that's really still the cheapest route to go to keep that car. See what I'm saying? No, I understand what you're saying. I understand. <laughs> no, no. But how old was the car? It was 2007. And when did it start tearing up? Oh, and you had the car for 12 years. So, yeah, if it started tearing up, you shouldn't have owed anything on that car. That car should be, that title should be clear. Yeah. Let me say this to women. Let me say this. My partner just experienced this. My partner has a Mercedes truck that's paid for, and it's think it's 2011. It's one of those, like, a Wagoneer trucks. And her light was out, and she had tried to fix it before herself. But she took it to a Mercedes Specialist, a specialist. No, not the dealer. And the specialist told her they would have to take the front fender off and it's going to cost $1,200 to fix it. She went to the dealer and the dude put it in in five minutes. So when you have repairs on your car, there's two things you got to do. You have to always get more than one person to look at your car. That's the first thing. Or you got to find somebody you know that know about cars to go with you because they're going to take advantage of you. Everybody's not trustworthy. So most of the time when they see ladies, they do that. But those are the kind of mistakes that get you behind. So there's nothing you can do about it now but learn from it. And you have to stop the whole thing of, like, if I went to Firestone to fix my car, I would take my car to the dealer to have them look at it. Because one thing about a dealer, they may do some shoddy work, but they're going to have to stand behind their work. You know, because you could park your car in front of the dealer and say, you know, put lemon on and all kinds of stuff. But that Firestone person... You know, it's, you just deal with a different class of customer service. So always get you two quotes or two bids on any repairs you get on your car. And if you don't have a find somebody that knows about cars that go with you, or just Google it. Google what they say is wrong with your car and see what it says. You can Google it right while you stand there talking to them. They say you need a radiator. You say, Google, how much does it cost to replace a radiator on a 2007 Toyota Torcel? It'll tell you. Average prices in your area is this, this, this. Any other questions? So, again, a lot of times you can make mistakes that get you behind, but that's in the past. There's nothing you can do about that now. The only thing you can do now is if you're upside down, you have to work harder. When you make mistakes, you got to pay for them. And sometimes you might have to work five years working, you know, two jobs to pay for a mistake. You might have to do Instacart, but you might make sure you check your mileage and get your oil changed. You don't want that car tearing up. When you lose an engine, that's oil mostly. Most engines don't go out. The cars are built really good now. Most engines don't go out unless you have poor maintenance. Anybody got an old car? <laughs> well, anybody got a car more than 100,000 miles on it? Okay, that's an old car. Why y'all ain't raise your hand? That's old. Who got, what kind of car you have? 
Corolla, right. How many miles you got on it? 150. Okay. What year is it? 20 what? 2015. Man, you drive a lot. Yeah. That, that's something you got to calculate. If you're working like 50 miles one way, it's going to kill your car. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, you have to work. It pays to try to get a job closer or sometimes it makes sense to move. I used to live in Union City and I used to work off of Metropolitan right here. We moved out to Marietta. So I sold my condo and bought a house in Austell because I didn't want more than 10 to 12 mile drive because I knew it was going to tear up my car. Yeah, yeah, schools have, yes, yeah, yeah. But that's the same thing with my partner. She, but if you take care of that Toyota, it'll run. Because see, Elijah had a car, he had a Lexus. He put 375,000 miles on it. Yeah, and I had a Ford Mountaineer. I put 312,000. It was still running until a truck hit us. But if you take care of those cars, this is a 2001 or two car. We had that car for or maybe a 99. We had that car for a long time. Huh? Right, but you got to take care of it. Yeah. Is it paid for? All right, good. Yeah, get five years out without being paid. Any other questions? Yes. Well, really, a money market account is pretty safe. So it's just like a savings account. You don't have a lot of risk in a money market account. Right, right. So it's better to be in a money market account than a savings account. I would say a money market account. I would go with the highest because it's just as safe. I mean, could something happen because it's based on the T-bill? But if your money market account go to zero, everything going to zero. It's going to be running the banks. <laughs> You know, some things are really extreme. So to me, that's just as safe as a savings account. To me, personally, I would go with the higher interest rate. But you have to also go where I talked about that sleep, you know, peace. But there's very little risk in a money market account. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? All right. But I really think you all should take this, and it may look better on your computer. Go home and do this net worth worksheet and just look at it. And then set you a goal for next year. Don't look at it and be, you know, like if you're on a basketball team and some real strong players come in, y'all got to play them. Some people scared to go in the game. Don't be that person. Don't look at your net worth and say, oh, man, it's negative $150,000. There are stories all over the Internet, people who had way more debt than that, that turned it around. So what I believe is once you start, God increases. So once you start doing the right thing, being diligent, you will see the increase come. But when you take it and bury it, it's just like that parable in the Bible. You take your talent and bury it. And so, oh, this is too big. Oh, I'm depressed. And we got a generation like that now, of young people. You know, I look at our young people, but we should be stronger. Anybody over 30, 40 years old, 40, 50, you should be stronger than these kids that got coming up now. Because at least when you play sports, you could just make the team. <laughs> kids now can just make the team. Everybody got to play. That was a character builder because it taught you to deal with adversity. So be a Kobe Bryant. Go look at some strong athletes. And the reason I talk about athletes is because their production is in front of you. There's no nepotism or there's no favoritism with athletes. I don't care how good you are, how good you've been. If you start producing, they're going to ship you out. And it's really a true testament of people's will to operate because all of them are talented. All of them are great. But you see a difference in the mentality between a superstar and a regular pro player. Like Matt Ryan's superstar. <laughs> okay. All right, well, I want to thank you all for coming out. I want to thank you all for coming out. We will start back up in January. Not sure we're going to do a second half. 
but we will go January through June. I can tell you that for sure. So, you know, but January will start back. And did anybody go and get the cube money? It was on sale during Cyber Monday. Yeah, it was 50% off. But it's only $7 a month. So, you know, if you don't have a budgeting system, get that. That'll help you a lot. It'll control your day-to-day spending. Very, very good. Cube money. But we will start first Friday of January. Well, thank you all for coming out. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was session 12 of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4537. That's 4537 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4537 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.